1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is, as always, sponsored by TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. And if you are listening to this right now, I know you've at least got a small smile on your face, otherwise known as a smirk, because the 49ers traveled all the way over to Cincinnati and got the job done. Not only did they get the job done, but they did it in overtime. It wasn't always pretty, but the 49ers come away with the win against the Cincinnati Bengals, 26-23, um, taking the victory uh, from Brandon Iyuk's impressive touchdown towards the uh, the closing minutes of overtime got really really close to one of those dreaded ties but the 49ers avoid it and now move to 7 and 6 back in the winning record column and good for them man good for them you know what i i even forgot to say what my name is but y'all already know my name you listen to the pod this is rob louder and i'm coming to you from the man cave the arena as the doc would say it and i'm just pumped to be here with you guys because man that was a Freaking journey that game was. There, like I said, there were some highs. There were some lows. There were some bad plays. There were some great plays. There was everything in between. But, you know, good football teams go on the road and find a way to win games. And and the thing to remember here is the Bengals were not a bad football team that the 49ers just managed to get it done against, you know, and made it a closer game than it should have been. The Bengals were 7-5 and five going into this game with some and if you listen to our last podcast the the Bengals were were an interesting matchup for the 49ers and I don't mean that in a good way because the Bengals were good at stopping everything the 49ers like to do the Bengals are good against the run the 49ers want to run the ball obviously not great against the pass as we saw from from Jimmy Garoppolo having his opportunities to deal it but you know, and then on the flip side of the ball, you got a 49ers defense that's extremely shorthanded in the secondary, and the Bengals are absolutely loaded at wide receiver with a, with a nice emerging quarterback in Joe Burrow. But they were able to get the job done. Uh, it was a really, really, really impressive performance by the defense. Uh, it had its moments of head scratching penalties and you know shooting yourself in the foot, but for the most part. Uh, the defense was was pretty impressive, especially when you consider the injuries uh, that they're that they're trying to deal with. Um, and you know, Joe Burrow completed twenty five of thirty four passes. That's seventy three percent for three hundred and forty eight yards and two touchdowns, no picks. So the fact is the forty nine uh, the fact the forty nine ers defense was still giving that amount of air miles up, which we kind of expected, given what the the Bengals were coming to this game with and still managed to give the offense a chance to win the game, that's special. That's impressive. Like I said, it wasn't always pretty. It certainly wasn't flawless. It's not like the 49ers held the Bengals to a single touchdown. But it it was, if, if you watch the game, it was this weird dynamic. And then the same thing goes for the offense. Neither unit was pretty, but they found a way to make plays when they absolutely had to. And, and that is what you like to see. Just kind of running down my notes from the game. Uh, It was a weird game for Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll start with the offensive side of the ball. We'll we'll end on the defense. Uh, It was a weird game for Jimmy Garoppolo. Basic stat line, 27 of 41. Jimmy Garoppolo had to throw the ball 41 times. Um, He completed 66% of his passes for just under 300 yards. 296 yards and two touchdowns. So it was really, I mean, a little bit less... No, not even less. It was really a Jimmy Garoppolo versus Joe Burrow game. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo only threw for 50 yards less, uh, threw for more passes, completed a little bit less, threw for 50 yards less. But it was, uh, you know, it it was very much a game of those two quarterbacks going back and forth and kind of just seeing which defense could make the play when they had to make the play. There were just a lot of a lot of weird throws from Jimmy Garoppolo. He had one, and I, I got some <laughs> shit on this for Twitter, on Twitter. But I I I think maybe people were overthinking it. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo had a deep throw to Travis Benjamin, and Travis Benjamin had beaten the defense deep, and basically had to turn around and go up for the ball after he'd gotten behind the defense. And I was just like, that was a criminally underthrown ball from Jimmy Garoppolo because. Travis Benjamin kind of had to catch it like a punt kind of to go up and try and catch it with his chest. And right when he did literally at the same moment, a Bengals defender shot his hand in there and, and made it a difficult catch. Could, uh, could Benjamin have done more to make that catch? I definitely think so, especially when, you know, which includes putting your hands out in front of you. Uh, That's tough. You know, the way that ball was thrown, but put your hands out in front of you rather than trying to catch it with your chest, because, catching it with your chest as a receiver, at least for me as a receivers coach, I always like in practice, I'm like, nah, that's a drop. I, I, we ain't, we ain't doing that. Like you got to work on your, on your hands, but it was a weird situation. Um, and and not to necessarily slight Jimmy Garoppolo it was like a 55 yard throw, but it just, you know, it, it just wasn't enough to get there. And there are plenty of NFL quarterbacks that can throw it further than 55 yards. And you could tell by watching that play when Jimmy Garoppolo threw it, that might have been all he had. And don't necessarily fault him for that. Jimmy Garoppolo's not definitely not a deep ball connoisseur, but. Uh, you know, it was, I'm just again, I'm not being negative, I'm just highlighting the weirdness of Jimmy Garoppolo's game. He had some under throws. You know, he had quite a few overthrows, even the one where George Kittle, I believe it put the 49ers in position to win the game uh, before Robbie Gould missed the kick. It did. Yeah. And it, it, G- Jimmy Garoppolo had George Kittle wide open and George Kittle had to go way up to get it and make a diving, jumping fingertip grab. It was an incredible catch by George Kittle, who was, Unquestionably, the uh, the stud of this game, but you know a lot of overthrows. There was one to George Kittle over the middle that that was off target. It, it was high and to the left. George Kittle had to jump up and extend and to his left, and was kind of contorting his body in almost a reverse C, and took just a massive hit right in the ribs from I believe a safety. I'm not sure what the position that hit him was. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, not a you know like i said he, he he had 14 incompletions and it so some of them were a little weird some of them were a little off he also had a a, a butt fumble but there was no butt you know he just went to run and just dropped the ball and you know I, i'm not going to beat up jimmy too much because in the end when the 49ers had a had you know so when the 49ers had to get it done and the 49ers had to get it done. Jimmy Garoppolo led the team down. It was a minute and 15 seconds left in regulation. Jimmy Garoppolo led the team down to put them in field goal range to win the game. Now, Robbie Gold missed it. It was a 47-yarder. To me, that's a game-winning drive led by Jimmy Garoppolo. They don't have any control over what the kicker does when he comes out. Then in overtime, after the Bengals get that field goal, Jimmy Garoppolo was in the, in the final drive to win the game, culminating in a Brandon Ayuk touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo was 6 for 77 yards and a touchdown on that final drive with some great, great throws. He hit. Uh, Juwan Jennings, who made an, an, an equally great catch going up and over the uh, the defender to get it and, and move the chains. He made this beautiful throw to George Kittle that seemed so inconsequential when you watched it firsthand. But the 49ers only needed like three yards. And George Kittle just ran this little pop pass just off the line turnaround. And there was coverage everywhere. The Bengals started to catch on that it might be going to him. But Jimmy Garoppolo just throws this little tiny pass that just travels down low, kind of guides Kittle to the ground, doesn't take a hit. Kittle kind of hits the ground, slides for a first down, and just puts his arm out, you know, laying on the ground, first down. But if you watch that pass back, it was exactly where it had to be to keep Jim, uh, keep George Kittle from just getting pummeled um, on a play where the defense was kind of moving in on him. So... Even Kyle Shanahan said after the game that Jimmy Garoppolo was one of the main reasons the 49ers won today. So as erratic as it seemed at times, um, as inaccurate as it seemed at times, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was absolutely a huge part of this 49ers uh, victory today. He did a lot. He made some key throws. And, you know, it, it really is kind of that inconsistency that is part of the reason why the 49ers will eventually replace him, but at the same time, in order to be consistent, you still have to get some good, and Jimmy Garoppolo definitely uh, definitely showed us some good. It was it was a good game for him. Again, I wouldn't call it a great game, but it was good, and it was exactly what it had to be um, on an offense that was kind of relying on him. The 49ers only ran the ball 23 times. It was mostly Jeff Wilson Jr. and Debo Samuel with Elijah Mitchell out. Jeff Wilson Jr., 13 carries for 56 yards, 4.3 yards a carry. Debo Samuel had eight carries for 37 yards and 4.6 yards a carry. Debo Samuel has almost fully complete his conversion into a running back because he only had one catch and one target for 22 yards, so – he is uh he is kind of like morphing before our eyes into a do-it-all player for the 49ers offense. And, of course, Debo Samuel did have that uh, really, really impressive first-quarter score, kind of exactly the play that is ca- that's kind of captive- captivated Debo. You know, not captivated. That's a stupid word. Kind of encapsulates. I think that's what I was looking for somewhere in my, my brain. Debo Samuel was, you know, he got that end around. Took it down the right side, beat everybody to the edge, and then just kind of makes that 90 degree turn and woo, takes off and gets to the end zone. And he's so quick that, you know, the defenders kind of take bad angles and he takes it in. So um, obviously, you cannot talk about this win. You cannot talk about this team. You cannot talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. You cannot talk about anything 49ers when it comes to their win over the Bengals without talking about George freaking. Kittle, who had 15 targets, 13 of those were catches, for 151 yards and one touchdown. The man was on fire, and it was just an impressive display, and what I liked so much about it was... It was clear that George Kittle was hurting. Now, he said after the game that he was just dealing with excessive soreness, that it hurt like hell to play on turf. It's like playing on cement. You could picture, uh, here's my best way to describe it, if you didn't see George Kittle's game. Picture late, late career Frank Gore on the 49ers. Every time Frank Gore got tackled and got up, it looked like that was the last time he was going to do it. But we all know Frank Gore, he just kept going and going and going and going but everybody saw how often he would get tackled and he just looked like he was in so much pain. And that's what George Kittle was doing today, but he kept going. He came out for a little bit to, I think, you know, massage and flex his calf and Achilles muscles. He said he was wearing like warming sleeves for those. And you could tell he was just doing everything in his power to push through whatever pain he was feeling to make this game happen. And it was insanely impressive. Um, just an all-star performance exactly what you'd expect from one of if not the best tight end in the NFL and then right behind George Kittle in terms of the targets department was Brandon Ayuk who caught six patches for six catches for 62 yards and the game winning score which is just such a special moment for Brandon Ayuk who's obviously had a rough season it hasn't been everything we thought it would be it certainly hasn't been everything I thought it would be but slowly and surely he's rounded in a form he's he seems like he's earning back the trust of his teammates he's earning back the trust of his coach he's earning back the trust of his quarterback specifically and he's just a genuine force in the passing game now and I think I think it's safe to say that Brandon Ayuk has returned to the form that we thought he would have just all season long. And, and, you know, life is not that simple. Not everybody learns the same. Not everybody learns, moves at the same rate, you know, whatever down feelings you were having about Brandon, Ayuk's development and what could be going on with him. Seems like it's it, it might be knock on wood there uh, just in the past, and because he is he is a huge factor in the forty ers passing game now, and there were several catches that Ayuk made during that game, uh, including the the almost game winning drive when the forty ers drove down the field to give Robbie Gould that field goal shot. Uh, Brandon Ayuk caught the seventeen yarder that uh, took him to midfield, and then shortly after. George Kittle, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo hit that pass to George Kittle, which set them up for the 47-yarder. So it really is just coming down to this is a great game, especially on offense, to see the cornerstone pieces emerge. George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and currently Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, when that's Trey Lance, we'll see if it's Trey Lance. But those were the offensive cornerstones of this game. And I would, if he was healthy, I'm sure Elijah Mitchell would have probably had something to say about that too. And But maybe Bengals are good against the run. So um, the fact that Jeff Wilson Jr. was still able to get 13 carries, was still able to uh, to generate 4.3 yards per carry is good. But that game was all Kittle, all Debo, all Ayuk. And that's that's a good thing. The 49ers are featuring their star players. Heaven forbid you feature your star players. You know, I know y'all are listening listening to this going, I know, (laughs) like uh, because it seems like there's always a game where Debo's not getting action or Debo's getting action, but Ayuk's not getting much and Kittle's not getting much or Kittle is and Ayuk isn't and Debo is. and, And I don't believe that that's purely a, you know, oh well, there's only so many targets to go around. No, it's not, because we see it right now. You know, George Kittle got a shit ton of action. Brandon Ayuk got a lot of action. Debo Samuel a little less in the past game, but he got those eight carries and a touchdown. So if if the if Kyle Shanahan could just dial that in, as simple as I'm making it seem, you know, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. So let me see if I have any more. I you know, I got notes from their press conferences. Debo Samuel said that he, uh, if, you, if you didn't see the game, Brandon Ayuk's final touchdown was initially ruled uh, to be down at the one-yard line, which would have been uh, – there would have been a very strong chance that the 49ers were going to score and going to win anyways. They were on your one-yard line, first down. 49ers can run the ball. Um, and Jimmy Garoppolo just happens to be, in a weird way, a really good quarterback sneaker. So there's that. But it was initially ruled down at the one. They reviewed it, and it was clear that Brandon IU kept his feet in bounds and was close enough to the sideline to easily reach the ball over the pylon and over the end zone, and they changed it. Debo Samuel said he ran off the field knowing that it was a touchdown after it was getting reviewed, and he tried to go celebrate with Kyle Shanahan, and he said Kyle Shanahan just refused to celebrate with him until they confirmed it. So that was a lot of fun. Jimmy Garoppolo saying that he hasn't seen Brandon Ayuk move that fast in a while, and on that final play, it was kind of like a reverse Debo Samuel going the other way. Brandon Ayuk caught the the quick pass, got around that edge, gave it some band, and just bursted forward. And you can tell it shocked the defense. That's why he was able to skate into that end zone and get that ball out. It was it was uh, it was a very impressive play for Brandon Ayuk, and one that he needed, you know, to really pick those those spirits up. Garoppolo did say that the Bengals broke a lot of tendencies in the way they were they were doing their coverages, and, and a lot of times it was confusing Garoppolo, and he had to kind of adjust to it, and he said that, especially after the second half, they started to make these adjustments that were hard to get a handle on at first, but he was able to kind of pick it up there towards the end, and you could see that. Uh, George Kittle was laughing about the fact that he thought Brandon Ayews scored and then the ref towards George Kittle who was probably making some type of funny comment that there was 0% chance that Brandon Aiyuk <laughs> scored. George Kittle at the podium was like, "Well, are you sure? Are you are you sure he didn't
0: score?" Well,
1: and and um and somebody asked George if he if he went back to the ref after they ruled it a touchdown and he said, "No, of course not. We'll see that guy again." So, you smart move my uh Smart move by George. But, all right, let's um let's get a quick word in from our sponsors over at TickPick. And when we come back, we'll talk about the defense that that did its damn thing as well. 49ers football, it's here. It's back. I mean, it, it's more than back. The 49ers are coming off a huge win over the Bengals, and they're on their way back to Levi's Stadium. There's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the Internet to find 49ers tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickBit got rid of all those awful services. Y'all know what I'm talking about on those other sites. You think you're getting a good deal, then you click buy, and it's like, whoa, what's going on here? Uh, TickBit got rid of all those. So it's guaranteed, it lets them guarantee the best price on all of their NFL tickets. And if you do not believe it, you can find better prices on the same seats on another site TickPick is going to give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Hell of a deal right there. Basically risk-free. Like I said, 49ers football, they're back to their winning ways. They're well in the playoff mix. They've got a winning record, and they're headed back to Levi's Stadium to face the very beatable Atlanta Falcons. Um, So jump on tickpick.com slash gold today and save $10 on your first order 49ers tickets. Just to say that one more time. That's TickPick T I C K P I C K dot com slash gold G O L D today, and you're gonna save ten bucks on your first order. 49ers tickets. Do it. Do it. Do it. If you don't know what that it's from, I cannot help you.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
1: Like I said, one hell of an effort. It wasn't always pretty, especially when you consider how shorthanded the 49ers were. It wasn't always pretty, but they got the job done. Leading the motherfucking way was Aziz Alshair, who continues to just develop into an absolutely premier linebacker for the 49ers. He had 11 total tackles, a sack, and three tackles for loss, and a pass breakup, and most of that was in the first half. Now, here's the, here's the unfortunate caveat. Al Shire went to make a tackle and I think kind of stretched his arm in a way to where I know that one of kind of those NFL doctors on Twitter said that he may have um, like a chest injury because a lot of times when players tear their pec muscle, it always seems like an arm injury because they always tuck that arm in and they're moving their arm, but when in reality, it's up by your pec, you know, right near your armpit on your chest. And that doctor did tweet it. I wish I had the tweet in front of me. I don't. Did tweet out that that was a strong possibility based on him watching the play and how the doctors were treating Aziz Alshair on the ground. Um, Kyle Shanahan, what did he say? Uh Kyle Shanahan said it was an elbow injury. So maybe that rules out the pec tear. I'm hoping it does because Aziz al coupled with Fred Warner is kind of a huge deal when it comes to the 49ers defense's success and their ability to cultivate any sort of a playoff run. So hopefully, you know, keep your fingers crossed, 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 keep your fingers crossed and hope for good news on that department because you just, you never know. And it would, the season he's having, he deserves to be on that field. Uh, The Nick, the, the George Kittle of the 49ers defense was unquestionably Nick Bosa, who finished with three total tackles, two sacks, two quarterback hits and two tackles for loss should have been three sacks, but one of them was wiped out by a hands to the face penalty by rookie cornerback, Ambry Thomas, Uh, But I believe that brings Nick Bosa up to 14 sacks. And I believe that also makes Nick Bosa the 49ers all-time leading sack artist behind only Alden Smith when he had that 19 and a half sack season. So Nick Bosa is 100% just on a tear. I mean, 14 sacks with... Four games to go. I mean, it it depends on what he does, but he, I mean, there's a chance he could hit 20. So such a special, special, special talent. Said after the press conference, said after the Seattle press conference, we blew it. Everybody knew the 49ers blew it against Seattle. Said after today's press conference, we almost blew it, but we didn't. So uh, Nick Bosa maintaining that very, very dry sense of humor, which I love. You know what? Random Nick Bosa story. And I'm sorry to disappoint some of you. I know I'm about to. Uh, I am a pineapple on pizza guy. I love the sweet and savory flavor combination. It's a very popular flavor combination. So don't get on me about it. There's plenty of sweet and savory things that you like out there. And I don't understand why pineapple the one you choose not to like, but don't worry about it. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I'm getting carried away. But during the off season, uh, not the off season, it was like not, well, I think it was the 2019 season. Actually, Nick Bosa was asked if he liked pineapple on pizza and he said, no. And I asked, why don't you like pineapple on pizza? And he said, because I don't like warm fruit. And I just stood there and I was like, that's like the best reason for that. I've ever heard. <laughs> Most people are just like, yeah, it's gross. And I'm like, how could you think that it's sweet and savory? That shit's always good. And then he's like, I don't like warm fruit. And I'm like, damn, just changing, changing my life over here with that answer. And I'll always remember that. I will remember that answer for the rest of my life because it just made so much sense to me. I mean, obviously I disagree, but at the same time, it it just, it was a perfect answer. So I don't know. That's, that's my Nick Bosa story for you guys. Hopefully you don't judge me too hard for the pineapple on pizza thing, but I I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. The 49ers defensive front against the Bengals did everything they could possibly do, short of just taking over the game, obviously, to really get after Joe Burrow. Aziz Al had one sack. Kaywan Williams had one hell of a sack. Nick Bosa, two sacks. Samson Ebukam, half a sack. Arden Key, half a sack. So the sacks were there, five sacks total. Uh quarterback hits one, two, three, four, five, six. uh tackles for loss, four, six. So the 49ers defensive front was doing a go- good job being a, a, a disruptive, but the 49ers secondary just could not cover. There was just never any pause when Joe Burrow wanted to throw, and then obviously to close out the game, the Bengals really started to ramp up their passing attack. Which I already read you Joe Burrow's stat line. You had T. Higgins, who had five catches for 114 yards. You had Jamar um, Chase, who had five catches for 77 yards and two touchdowns. You know, and CJ Uzama, their tight end, four catches, 56 yards. Tyler Boyd, four catches, 55 yards. Uh, you know, P. Ryan, four catches, 22 yards. They They just had a, they were throwing the ball around and it just always seemed like the 49ers needed the 49ers defensive front needed somebody to be covered for just half a second more you know give the let make the quarterback just think a little bit more about it and they just could not get it done there were so many times where you could see the defensive lineman breaking free be lining for joe burrow There was one play where Nick Bosa had his hand up and was about to knock the ball away. and Joe Burrow just gets it away. And it was just because the secondary just could not cover. And do I blame them for that necessarily? No, they're in a rough spot. They're in a rough spot. But before I go into the secondary, I do have to mention Kyle Shanahan told us after the game that the reason Dante Johnson was not at the game was because his mother suffered a heart attack Dante Johnson left to go be with her, and she sadly passed away uh, during the game or or on the same day as the game. And Kyle Shanahan talked to Dante Johnson after the game. Dante Johnson told him the news. Kyle Shanahan was obviously emotional about it. Um, just during the middle of their celebration of the win, Kyle Shanahan told broke the news to them as well that uh, Dante Johnson did lose his mother. Kyle Shanahan said her name was... Um, Holly Garner so uh, a true rest in peace for Dante Johnson's mom and if you're the praying type send those to the uh, send those their way because obviously that is uh, it's really really unfortunate it's horrible It's, it's heartbreaking you know and you could tell in the in the press conferences whenever anybody was asked about it. Jimmy Ward got real emotional, didn't really want to talk about it. Kyle Shanahan was getting real emotional, made it clear that he doesn't think he'd be able to go through the same thing that Dante Johnson was going through. Um, So for a moment, the celebration, the happiness, it had to take a back seat to the very real fact that Dante Johnson lost his mother today. So um, tough, very tough. Uh, Just Obviously something like that just immediately changes the dynamic of the day. And I tweeted that the 49ers – Unfortunately, had to experience along with Dante Jan- Johnson, unquestionably the full gamut of human emotions, you know, just being absolutely elated after an overtime win and then coming into the locker room to find out that one of your dearest and, you know, contrary to kind of fan opinion on Dante Johnson's ability, he's kind of a a leader in that locker room And and you don't just stick into the NFL for eight or nine years without being uh, a Swiss Army knife, as Jimmy Ward said it, capable of doing many, many jobs at a, at a decent quality. You know, so again, prayers out to uh, Dante Johnson and his family um, as they work their way through that. Um, I would not be here on this mic if if I was Dante Johnson. So, you know, shout out to him. I hope he's, hope he gets through it because that's tough. That's tough. Mom. Um, in addition to. Uh, Aziz Al Alshair, who had that elbow injury. Ambry Thomas, the rookie cornerback, making what I believe was his first start today. Um, Dante Johnson was supposed to make that start, but since he could not attend the game, um, rookie third-round pick, Ambry Thomas made the start. Uh, Didn't have a great game. Uh, Didn't have a great game. Had a couple very, very costly penalties. One wiped out an interception, I believe, for... Was it Aziz Alshire? Don't quote me on that. I don't remember who intercepted it. And then um, wiped out one of Nick Bosa's sacks with, with penalties. But at the same time, I don't care. Like, Ambry Thomas, third-round pick, obviously has some talent. You can watch what he was doing in college. He's a talented player. Uh, he took a year off during the COVID, um, during the COVID stuff, so he's working his way back. I just want to see him on the field, like – I want to see him get a chance to develop. I want to see him get a chance to improve. You've got to go through it. Jimmy Ward said it himself. He's like one of my in my rookie season on the Levi Stadium home opener. I got matched up into what might be a future Hall of Famer and Brandon Marshall, and he scored three touchdowns on me. And then he's and Jimmy Ward said, and now look at me, what, considered one of the better free safeties in the league. So it was clearly just kind of a um, a message towards. Amory Thomas, to not, not not get too down on yourself and and allow yourself to go through those learning experiences, which I think is a great point. And it's something I wish the 49ers would embrace a little bit more, especially towards rookies that were fairly highly drafted. If they are needed on the field, then put them on the field and allow them to go through those growing pains. And sometimes that might be tough. Sometimes it might be, you know, you're talking about winning or losing a game and, and you don't want them to cost you a game, but At the same time, you have to give these players a chance to to develop into the the player that they're going to be.
2: You ready?
0: Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy.
2: Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
1: Um, going through my notes on defensive players. Uh, another one that you got to bring up was Kaywon Williams. Um, he's way up there on the top of the stat sheet. Seven total tackles, had his own sack. His sack was so sick. It uh, was on third down. Uh, I I believe it forced the Bengals into the position. I believe that was before the 49ers had a chance to go and win the game. It was, it was late in the game. It was fourth quarter. A uh, beautiful call from D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator sent Kwan Williams screaming through the, the B gap, I believe. Um, and might've been C and Kwan Williams. Just, it was just the perfect sack. You, you we've all seen those sacks where the player's just sprinting right at them. And then the quarterbacks makes the smallest move and that sprinting player can't adjust. And the You know, the quarterback just shuffles aside and throws the ball down the field. You know, typical shit. Well, one Williams being the nickel corner, incredibly quick and agile player that he is. Burrow did, a, I believe, a spin move, and one Williams just stuck right to him, grabbed him by the hip, and was able to sling him down. It was one of the more impressive sacks I've seen from a corner, or basically a non-outside linebacker, in a long time. I was I really, really loved it. It was just such a cool... Such a cool sack, uh Fred Warner had a little bit of an injury scary. He went down and was on the sideline, being intended to before the first the end of the first half with an angle injury, uh but he ended up putting some tame on it, tape on it, coming in the second half, playing the entire second half, and he said he just stepped on another player and his ankle kind of rolled in a weird way. It said it felt weird, and they were just kind of being careful with it, but once he realizes that once he realized that things were okay, um he just got taped up and went right back out there so. It was also funny, too. Fred Warner was in charge of the overtime coin toss. Fred Warner caught tails. It was heads. Even though earlier the 49ers called heads and it was tails, that was Warner's justification. And, dude, he, he so he loses the coin toss. He, like, looks up at the sky, hella pissed, and then just walks off. And the ref was like, no, no, come back. Because, obviously, since you lose the coin toss, Bengals opted to receive. The 49ers get to choose what direction they're going. And Fred Warner wanted no part of it. He'd already lost the coin toss, was pissed, was out of there. I got to go fucking play defense. So um, it was It was really funny. It was really funny. You know, the defense defense struggled, but like I said, it was kind of in a similar aspect uh, to the offense. They did everything in their power. The, the secondary did everything they could to cover. Um, but like I was going to mention earlier, Uh, that's the the secondary is just so, so, so thin. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley's out and he's on injured reserve with a high ankle sprain. Josh Norman's still out there. Might not always like what he gives you, but damn, he's been consistent. He's out there. Dante Johnson obviously wasn't at the game for personal reasons. And then really the only corners that you had opposite Josh Norman are Avery Thomas and D'Amador Lenore. That's it. That's all of them. You don't even, you know, one Williams is the only nickel corner. Now, if you got in an emergency spot, then Jimmy Ward could come down and play corner. Tark could play see, free safety. Talano Hufango would move to strong safety. But the the 49ers cornerbacks are just so shorthanded. And obviously that all started with Jason Verrett's season-ending injury. And it's just that they're in a tough spot right now. And so when I'm saying that, you know, the 49ers secondary just can't cover, they just can't give the defensive front even a, an additional split second to get after the quarterback, it's not um, it's not an insult, like, to them. They're, they're just in positions that they weren't necessarily meant to be in, or at least not this soon. And, it, it, you know, they signed Joss Norman off the street, and although he had his heyday, his moment in the sun, not necessarily that anymore did have a pretty impressive pass breakup, but it's just, it's going to be tough for this defensive front to, to have the impact it should have. We know they're good. We know they can get after it, but that's really tough to do when, when receivers are just, there's a very good chance that they're going to be running open. And when you're going against Jamar chase um, and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, like it's, It's tough to cover and the 49ers are going to struggle to cover. That's just what they're going to do from here on out. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them. That, that to me is, I don't want to end on a negative note, so I'll just make it a quick comment. That to me is the one aspect of the 49ers that I feel like on a good day, can't play at a playoff level. You know, the, the linebackers, we know they're good. The defensive front can, can dominate. Um, the, the offensive line can be great. The receivers can be great. Jimmy Garoppolo can even be great every now and then. The 49ers' backfield can be great. But that secondary, I feel like, is almost always going to struggle. And the pressure really lies on that defensive front to come through because the 49ers are taking the chin back there. And that's, that's just a tough dynamic for a team that's fighting for their playoff lives. Um, and speaking of playoffs, let's hit on that real quick. The 49ers took a step up. Back into the number six seed, they're now right behind the Rams, um, who are the number five seed. Now, one thing I don't know about playoff seeding, uh, I don't believe the Rams have had their bye week yet. They've only played 12 games. They're 8-4 and four to the 49ers' uh, 13. So what I one thing I don't know about playoff seeding, let's say the 49ers win their next game, the Rams lose theirs. That would make both teams... Rams 8 and 5, 49ers 8 and 6. Does the fact that the 49ers have more losses mean that they're automatically below the Rams or does the fact that they have the same amount of wins the 49ers own the tiebreaker? I'm assuming that loss matters because they'll just say overall record, you know, and and an 8 and 4 or excuse me an 8 and 5 is better than an 8 and 6. So you know, I, I think I probably answered my own question there. But the 49ers are definitely in the hunt with the Rams to move up to that five seed. And again, you go and look at the 49ers' uh, schedule, and we kind of were talking about this very early on in the season that Week 17, eight, excuse me, 18 game against the Rams, um, in their stadium, in the SoFi Stadium, is it's going to be huge. But for now, the 49ers are moving on after a win against the Bengals to their returning back to Levi Stadium. They're four games left, folks, four games left in the regular season. You've got week 15, a home game against the Atlanta Falcons. Week 16, away versus the Titans. Week 17, away versus the Texans. Uh, or excuse me, home versus the Texans. And then so we're going home, away, home, and finishing with that away game against the Rams. So. Um, the 49ers are very, very much in the mix for the playoffs. They own the number six seed. You know, the the age old, if the season ended today, they'd be in the show. So they'd be in the race. And speaking of races, I would like to congratulate one Max Verstappen for winning the Formula One World Championship um, this morning at Abu Dhabi wasn't pretty. If you watch formula one, you know, that was a very, very controversial, unorthodox ending. But if you really watch formula one, you know, Max Verstappen has done everything in his power to put himself in that position to begin with, um, took it on the chin with a lot of bad luck, but uh, you can't say any of that without also giving a shout out to Lewis Hamilton, the best to ever do it. The class, one of the, you know, pretty much the, the classiest formula one driver too. Um, took it like a, a seven time champion would. Um but it's still not over. They they're doing some uh some challenges, some you know, some appeals, some all the stuff. So if you are out there listening and you're a Formula 1 fan, you probably know what you saw this morning and it was it was madness. It was crazy. But nonetheless exciting one of the greatest Formula 1 seasons or years the, the sport has ever had. But anyways, enough of that. 49ers are well in the playoff hunt, man, and it and it's exciting. And you know, if that secondary can just start to gel a little bit more, this is a team that I feel can beat any team in the league. Can the 49ers play the Cardinals and beat them right now? I believe so. Uh, you know, it, it, obviously things have to go well for your team, but that's the case with any win. Uh, I do believe the 49ers could beat any team in the NFL right now. Uh, you know, I, w- I would definitely not saying they'd be favored, but but it's possible. So, Uh, It's been it's been awesome to see them battle. They're now coming back to Levi's Stadium against a very, very bad uh, Falcons team. Uh, This doesn't say their record, does it? Nope. I'll go down here. Six and seven. Falcons are six and seven. Not a pushover by any means, but they're they're not a good team. The 49ers are playing at Levi Stadium, which hasn't meant much as of late in terms of their win to loss record records. So hopefully they can just come out there and flex on a team like the Falcons and keep themselves in that realm of being a good team, being a great team. Being a team that can hang in with good teams, can manage to beat good teams on the road like they did against the Bengals and stomp bad teams, you know, like they did against the Jaguars. So all right, guys. I think that's it. I don't think I missed anything on my notes. Let me do one last little scan here to make sure I'm not just Missing something egregious, egregious, but I don't think so. Sorry if uh, my voice is a little raspier, a little more kermity than normal. Um, I just got done with a huge Airsoft event, and I'm an admin, so I'm always kind of yelling to the crowd, uh, you know, announcements and such, and my voice is, it's at it, it's at it. And then I got to wake up tomorrow bright and early and go teach uh, 7th and 8th graders. So hopefully by the time we get back on here, my voice is not completely blown out because that would be, unfortunate. Hey, I appreciate everybody out there listening for dealing with my ramblings and me talking about things unrelated to the 40 dinners. It's going to happen. You know that, but I still appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Strike and gold. Thank you for making me making it this success that it's been. Um, I, you know, I haven't reeled in a new co-host yet. I, I still love getting on here and, uh, and chatting it up with you guys, um, in podcast fashion, please keep supporting the pod, download it, listen to it, comment on it. Rate, review, subscribe—all that good stuff—it all shows up on a spreadsheet. That makes a difference for us, so I appreciate you guys. Um, it does mean a lot. We've been going at this for a while, and, and I love it. Uh, but hey, I hope the—I fa- hope you also love the fact that 49ers got that win. I hope you're enjoying the start of a new week. Uh, you know, starting it off right with uh, your 49ers taking home the overtime dub, like Nick Bosa said. We almost blew it but we didn't hey i'm rob this is striking gold and we are signing out